welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Robbie Calland is in the building. Robbie is here. We're going to break down all of what happened in Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals. The Denver Nuggets take a commanding 3-0 lead against the Los Angeles Lakers with a 119-108 victory in Los Angeles in the crypt. Shout out the crypt, Robbie. No, I won't. <laughs> it's a it's a crypt for the a, Lakers a, right now. It is. I think it is, is the best way to put it. Funeral. Scene. Then we're gonna then we're gonna talk a little bit about Jimmy Butler just going supernova against Grant Williams and the Boston Celtics. Grant Williams poked the bear. That was a mistake. Uh, finally, the whole reason Robbie is here. Let's just be real about it. The whole reason Robbie is here is that every time there's a Fast and Furious movie that comes out, Robbie and I get together. And we talk about everything Fast and Furious. We did this after Fast 9. I think we did it after Fast 8 as well. Maybe even after Fast 7. I can't remember at this point. Certainly for the last three, though. Certainly for the last three, though, because we were just so excited to do this. And if anybody has seen Fast X... (laughs) Excited for a different reason this time. The last few times, it's like excited to talk about a movie we were excited about. And this one's excited to do like a therapy session about having watched this movie. I think that's right. Like, I think that the last 30 minutes of this podcast are literally just going to be a therapy session about Fast X and trying to understand what happened here. And I think that there's just a lot to dive into. So we're going to do that. But let's start with basketball. So the Lakers are down 3-0. The Nuggets are up 3-0. Let's just start here. What is your overarching takeaway for this series? The the takeaway has been that, I mean, one, the Nuggets are a better team than the Lakers and their margin for error is just so much bigger. Like, I, I think that's the thing we've seen. Like, Denver didn't play well offensively for three quarters. They got a nuclear Jamal Murray in the first half. KCP hit timely shots, but that's the difference. They have a guy who's going to hit those timely shots in KCP. Austin Reeves did it for has done it for the Lakers, but... Austin Reeves has been at times the second best offensive player for the Lakers in this series, which is not something that they can survive on. Um, Denver just, I mean, they just, they have more guys, more depth that can kind of pick up the slack when Jokic has a terrible first three quarters. um, than the Lakers can when, when LeBron clearly doesn't look right. You know, I don't know. I'm sure at some point we'll find out what's going on with the foot or whatever, but like, he had three shots in the restricted area tonight. When was the last time LeBron James in a must-win game took three shots in the restricted area and took 11 jumpers outside 20 feet? Like, on the night where they're calling everything early in this game, they were like, you can't – something's off there. He would get Jokic on an island, wouldn't attack him. Like, if LeBron looks like this, then there's just – the margin is so thin, they have to knock down shots, and they haven't been able to do that. And, and the Nuggets get – timely buckets again in the fourth quarter from one of their stars this time Jokic taking over after Murray Murray did it in game two well I I think you're dead on in terms of a the margin for error for the Denver Nuggets is just so much higher in this series and that's actually what we're going to talk about when we break down tape here Mm -hmm. it's literally just going to be how the Nuggets are demolishing every single small defensive error that the Los Angeles Lakers make in this series The second thing I think is really critical, though, I don't know if LeBron is hurt. I don't know if we're finally seeing like LeBron. He's he's old. Finally hit his age. Mm -hmm. But the lack of rim pressure from LeBron is very real in this series. And 
it has a trickle down effect in terms of the quality of shots that they get as well for the ancillary players, right? Like if LeBron is not driving and kicking and creating those opportunities for players because he's not putting rim pressure on the court, I do think that they get worse three point opportunities. And when they get worse three point opportunities, they shoot a worse percentage from three. It's a real factor. They got a great Anthony Davis game tonight, 28 and 18. He was terrific offensively, drew fouls at a pretty solid clip. Obviously had the great Austin Reeves game. I think Reeves has just been tremendous in this series. Austin Reeves is going to make so I much mean, all, money. All playoffs, all playoffs he's yeah. been good. He's been, he's been steady. I mean, how was this? Like his like seventh or eighth 20-point game or something like that? I mean, he's had like a bunch yeah. of big nights. Yeah, Austin Reeves has clearly been the third best player on a conference champion or like a conference finalist team. Mm-hmm. Those guys get paid. Uh, we will see if it's by the Lakers. I would, if I'm the Lakers, I don't know if there is a contract that I don't match, given mm-hmm. that the number can only get up to like four ninety nine or four one hundred and two or whatever it is. So, yeah. like, I think you just kind of got to go with it. Uh, in the case of uh, the nuggets on offense though i think you're Mm -hmm. right that they haven't played a complete game yet really on offense it feels like i think game one the first three quarters was their best play right like or the first two and a half like they've had like like a couple games where they were like because they scored what 72 in the first half of that game like the first half of game one was like okay this is them at their peak but really, the, the Lakers have done a good job frustrating them in the half court. Like the thing, like that's right. the Lakers, like tonight, all the all the Nuggets had was Jamal Murray God mode, where he's just like seeing you know nothing in front of him and everything goes in that he shoots. And then they have the semi transition transition where the Lakers are just doing a horrible job getting back, picking up assignments. It, I, I think something that they're running into is in their half court. They're doing so much cross matching um, where like Rui is on Jokic. And so ADs that when they're getting back in transition, they're in between trying to find the guys that they're, they're matched up on in the half court. And so you have AD sometimes wandering into no man's land off of Jokic, or you end up with two guys on one. And and so they're just, there's nothing crisp about what they're doing. And it's not off of like, it's not off of steals. It's off just straight up misses. And it's just, it's, it's really like, it's gotta be frustrating to watch if you're a Lakers fan, because they have to be giving up like 15 to 20 points a game off of just missed shots. And when you're already struggling to like, when you're already facing an offense this good to be doing the work they're doing as a half court defense and not be able to make that count for anything. It, at, just at some point, it has to be demoralizing. I think we reached that point in the fourth quarter tonight. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I went back and tried to see just how much the Nuggets are absolutely demolishing the Lakers in transition, just in terms of like points per possession, right? Uh, in game one, it was like 1.21 points per possession, which is fine uh, mm-hmm. per synergy. All of these numbers will be per synergy, which is like a normal average number. Game two was like 1.15, you know, normal average number. Tonight was 1.4, which is just like a bonkers number to be there. Uh, they yeah. outscored the Lakers 24 to 18 per synergy tonight in transition points. Uh Part of the reason for that is that the Lakers are crashing the glass, crashing the glass. And like, 
also the Lakers outscored the Nuggets, I think like 18 to nine tonight in terms of second chance points. So it's kind of working, but when you watch the product, it's actually not like you can just see that it's actually not working. And another piece of this puzzle is we're going to talk about your guy, uh, Dennis Schroeder as well. He had some moments tonight where it was like a little bit floppy and, uh, certainly Anthony Davis had a couple of moments where he fell on the ground. LeBron James had a couple of moments where he fell on the ground. The nuggets kill you when you lay on the ground for an extra split second in yeah. transition, they will destroy you. And maybe that's where we start because I, I think that let, let's just dive into the tape because I think that this sure. is like a really good place to go. There were, I think two things that really stood out in terms of the tape first it was, I think Darvin Ham made a colossal mistake starting D'Angelo Russell in this game. Yeah. I think you should have started Rui over D'Angelo Russell. That is almost like a non-negotiable going into this game. I looked at the numbers in terms of like three-man lineups with Davis, Rui, and LeBron. And it was like very clear that like they should be playing this lineup. They are a plus 10.6 in 29 minutes mm-hmm. and they're giving up 93.9 points per hundred possessions uh, in the 30 minutes that those guys have played together. So start those guys, play those yeah. guys. It's just, yeah. I, I, I don't get it. So the first play here is just literally you're going to run like D'Angelo Russell and all these guys through a bunch of like screening actions here. So he's guarding KCP and the end result is just, he takes a really shitty route around this, uh, dribble handoff from Nikola Jokic or this screen from Nikola Jokic and catches and fires from the mid range. Yep. It's just, what are we doing here? Like th- this is just atrocious. So here's the second one ends up picking up Jamal Murray in kind of a cross match situation in transition. And here Jamal Murray's just like, okay, this is barbecue chicken. This is D'Angelo Russell. This is the matchup I want. Just takes the screen, gets around him. D'Angelo Russell just, can't get around the snake screen, right? He can't do it. It's just not something that he's capable of. And then this one was just a total mess. This is what we were getting back to in transition, right? Where mm-hmm. they're cross-matching. They're trying to find everybody, right? Jared Vanderbilt ends up kind of having to take the ball here because if you can see, Russell is saying to take the ball. He is. He's the guy that's behind Nikola Jokic here. He's mm-hmm. saying to Jared, take the ball, take the ball. Russell kind of peels off there of Jokic because he sees that LeBron is there. You would think that the way that this works is that Russell then goes up to Murray Davis, getting back in transition flies back to Porter to the corner. But that's just not the way that this works in actuality. And D'Angelo ended up guarding nobody and they left Jamal Murray wide open for three. And I think this is the shot that really got him going because this was, I think he's three for three at that point, seven points, uh, or no, he's two. Well, that was two that was that two for two. Five. That was that was just his second bucket, and he just once he once he hit that one, that rhythm step in three is the one that guys love, man, because that's the one that you just yeah. if as soon as it comes off the fingertips, it feels so good. And like for a guy like Murray, like you could tell that just got him going. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just the the mental lapses from Dar are just they're hard for the Killer. Lakers to get by. Because again, like we said, like the margin for error is not not real large against a team with this many options. Um, and they're just, you can't, you can't have him out there if he's going to be like this and also taking bad shots. Yeah. So here again, like this is just a cross match and transition D'Angelo Russell and Jamal Murray's like, okay, I'm just going to keep this out. 
Nicole is going to set a screen and like Russell does fine here. It's just that Jamal Murray doesn't feel him there, right? Like if Jamal's not going to feel you there, you're basically done already. So here, this is finally Jared Vanderbilt getting him uh, in transition, but Vanderbilt just gets absolutely crossed up on the rejected screen. Yeah. And now you're in a circumstance where it's just an easy floater for Jamal, right? Uh, Jamal was just on fire at at a certain point here. So, this next one is just a transition play again. So Dennis, look. Dennis flop. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis flop on the ground. <laughs> and look, we've got Austin Reeves behind the play a little bit. At least LeBron mm-hmm. is like tracking back. But this is a three on two at the end of the day. You see Reeves, you see LeBron, and then Dennis is way back there. And you have a three on two. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that I think the Nuggets have done really, really well in these three on twos. They will pass the ball off. And they will, the second guy that catches will attack the man that's playing one-on-two in defense, right? Yes. He will force that guy to con- to actually contain the ball in transition and not be able to, like, kind of play one-on-two in mm-hmm. space, right? By attacking the man, you create these open shots. So here, he gets the ball to Gordon. Davis has to actually contest and make sure that he stays attached to Gordon here. And then Gordon knows that Michael Porter is wide open in the corner. And that's just an easy shot for Michael Porter. That's a walk in three mm-hmm. simple. Well, the, And so that's here. the, yeah. I mean, and that's the difference. It's a, it's a good point you mentioned. Cause like a lot of guys will catch that and immediately swing and Davis yep. can kind of step in and stunt. And like the patience to take that extra dribble into the lane and like really fully collapse the defense is I think the hallmark of of this Nuggets team is that that yep. patience and willingness to not skip steps trying to get that shot. Like they're so good as a team of creating good looks because they have that good process to do it. Um, and like not a lot of teams do that. Like a lot of guys would catch that and immediately kick it to the corner and Davis could probably get it. Totally. Contender. And having five guys that can dribble. That's the big thing. Like awesome. Aaron Gordon can dribble. Michael Porter can dribble. Like you have five guys that can attack. Look at this again. So Rui way behind the play here again in transition. And this is Jokic just sprinting back. I think Anthony Davis did a little bit better tonight of like just mm-hmm. sprinting back and getting back in transition as quickly as he could. But again, this is a five on four because Rui is way behind the play. And this is just what Denver kills you. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, Aaron Gordon just being able to bully up Austin Reeves. It's simple. Here we go again, just Jamal Murray coming off. This is where we get into the second quarter here where they really started to switch. They put uh, LeBron James on Jamal Murray, right? Mm -hmm. So they started to switch all these kind of middle screen actions. So LeBron ends up on Jokic here, gets the kick out to Rui. And just look at how far Rui steps steps into the paint on this well, step back from Jamal. And I think this, so, I mean, something something this postseason I think has really shown is like Rui's like very clearly a big, and like you know yeah. I think if what we've seen is like defensively, like when you throw him on a guy like Jokic who's going to try to post him up, or like he's so yeah. strong. But the thing he has always struggled with, right, is that movement in space, and and he can just get. I mean, Jamal took half a step inside the three point line and Ruiz at the, at the, at the free throw line. Like that's, yeah. that's his issue defensively is when you get him out in space and like, yeah, they did a good job of taking advantage of that in the first half. Yeah. And then here we, in the second quarter, we really start to get into these like switching actions and we start to get into just miscommunications in general here. So this is Aaron Gordon bringing the ball up. You see here, 
Jokic, just this like beautiful little like step up off ball screen to get behind LeBron. Rui, it looks like, does not say anything here. Like, I don't think Rui called this out at all. Just kind of looking at it. Maybe he did. Like, I'm not there. I'm not listening, like, to the communication. But, like, he's not pointing. He's not doing Mm -hmm. anything. So this ends up having to be a switch at the end of the day with Jamal. And also, like, LeBron is just, like, very high here. And this is hard. He doesn't really fight back into this. When Jokic, like, very clearly has him sealed in such a substantial way. And this is just hard. This is really hard. The lack of communication, the lack of just that kind of continuity uh, in terms of the off-ball actions, in terms of the on-balls, as we'll see here momentarily, it's really tricky. So Jamal's just going to come up here, and I think this is the Jokic one. So Jokic gets the ball, and Jamal's going to come around to the other side and set a screen. And it feels like they don't know who's going to take who. It feels like LeBron isn't sure if this is going to be a switch. Rui isn't sure what they're going to do here. And if you give Jokic that extra split second, he's just going to step into it. It just felt like they didn't really know in the second quarter what exactly and how exactly they wanted to run these defensive coverages. And again, this is another one, right? So you're setting up here. Uh, shout out all of the Lakers fans courtside. But like. How do you not pick feels- up the guy who's like on fire above the three point line? How is nobody above the three point line to pick up Murray here? Yeah. And again, this is LeBron here. Like LeBron needs to be there. And I like, look, Aaron Gordon did a great job of angling his body so that LeBron couldn't get that late contest. This is a like just little sharp angled screen here from Aaron Gordon. But Aaron, LeBron needs to be up higher. Like LeBron can't let himself get below the three point no. line when his responsibility is Jamal Murray, who is on an absolute fucking heater. Right. At this point, this Jamal, Jamal's what? Six forty left. Jamal has to have like 20 at this point. Yeah, no, he's probably got like 24, 25. Yeah. Like it's absolutely sick. And here's another one so. coming. So Jamal comes across here. They set this uh, little screen. That's just an auto switch. And I don't really even feel like they should be switching this action, but then here we go again. This is one where it feels like the Lakers don't really know what they're running here, right? Mm. Let's go back to the past one with where we sent Rui on skates like toward the elbow, right? Mm. So it feels like here. I think this is no, this no, that was the the one before this. Yeah, it's the one before this. This one they're icing it. Right. Right. You can see here this one. They're very clearly icing this side ball screen and they're treating it like an ice, even though it's a slip action. And even though you can see Jokic coming up, this is being treated like an ice where Rui is trying to get over the top and Anthony Davis is trying to play low. Right. He's trying to cut off and he's trying to bait him and goad him into that mid range jumper. But. Ends up being that Rui gets hit with that step back and he goes right. Well, the thing is, is like um, it looks like AD thinks it's a nice and Rui thinks there might be a switch there because Rui kind of like tags AG there, yep. like and tries to like run in right. with him. Like so, that's still like they don't know what they're doing even there. Um, so and let's get back to this one, right? So what you're gonna see here as we get back into the play. They get this switch first to get Rui onto Murray again. And now, again, it's a confusing situation where it looks like they're trying to decide if we want to ice or if we want to blitz. To me, 
someone freelanced here. And I think that LeBron probably freelanced a blitz is my mm-hmm. guess on this one. Yep. And if you're blitzing against Jokic, you're dead. Like you are D E A D dead. Yeah. He is going to get that pocket pass. You're going to have to step up if you're Anthony Davis and he's going to absolutely obliterate you in the four on three. Mm-hmm. I have uh, look, it's very possible that they called out a switch and LeBron was just trying to get higher up because yeah. Murray is unconscious. Right. And that Rui just didn't peel. I, I don't know what they're trying to run here. Like I want to be very clear about that, but it's clear that one of those two players also does not know what they're trying to run. <laughs> and I don't know which one it is. Well, you know, the funny thing is here, like, honestly, Jokic probably made that pass too quickly. You know, I was talking about with AG, like pressuring AD a little more. Like he, he, he lets AD have a chance here by going that quick on the bounce pass. Like yep. he probably should have let AD step a little higher, but like, it doesn't matter. Cause that's the thing that Aaron's the best at is those little like pump finishes under the rim. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, like it's, it's funny because like the half court stuff was in the second half, it, it, it got a little better. But yeah, I mean, they just, it's, yeah, like like we said at the beginning, like it's just the margins are so thin. And when you have a guy like Rui, who they, they took some advantage of on the switch, I think this time in a way that they hadn't at times in the first couple games. Um, and maybe that's something they found in that fourth quarter when Jamal kind of got yeah. loose last time. I'd have to go back and look if they ran a lot of this similar stuff. Um, but they might realize like if we can get we can get these little switches and get Rui in the action where he's the on ball guy is that se- that clearly was kind of the goal is like get that quick switch then run it again because they didn't want to yeah. ISO they just wanted to like get him involved in another ball screen as the on ball defender because he's probably yeah. not calling stuff out in the way or they realized LeBron wasn't calling stuff somebody wasn't communicating right. Um, and yep. I, I, I take a guess that that started in the fourth quarter and was what they, they kind of just were like, let's just see if we can keep making it work. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really good call. So here Aaron Gordon gets fouled on the end of this play. Uh, this is now end of the second quarter. And this is Rui. Uh, they're, they're trying again to get Rui switched on to Jamal. They get mm-hmm. it here. Again, though, Compared to the last play, this is very clearly them icing this coverage, right? Because they're going to get Jamal here, going to set this side ball screen. Rui gets into perfect ice position, right? Mm. Uh, Dennis is fighting over the top. Dennis is trying to recover back in, and they end up just kind of doubling here. The the guy who's like, I I don't know where Austin Reeves is on this play, to be totally honest. Um, He's just kind of freestyling. Yeah, so it feels like they were trying to overload the empty side a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like this very Austin Reeves is super smart. So like I don't think he would have just completely left KCP like unless it was for a reason. It's the same with LeBron. Like on that last play, like part of me wants to believe like it LeBron is like a basketball genius. Like I right. very clearly he saw something and like was trying to do it. It's just whether or not the communication error was his or Rui's, right? So Austin Reeves just completely like leaves KCP here. KCP gets to the corner. Aaron Gordon also in the corner. And they're eventually going to get this ball to Jamal. Austin's like still in no man's land on the strong side of the action here. And they end up with like three guys on Jamal. 
Michael Porter's waving his hands wide open. Well, We've got like a little mini hammer screen here for Aaron Gordon on the baseline on Jared look Vanderbilt. How, look how early he sets that up, though. Look how early he moves from totally. the bunker spot right there. He like realizes like that's not like he th- he starts that two seconds before, and he's just like, well, I'm just gonna stand here. Like <laughs> it's one of the things that makes Aaron like valuable, even though he he won't shoot right now. Like it's why they totally. can get away with it. Although what happened eventually in the fourth quarter that kind of turned the tide for the offense was taking AG out and putting Jeff Green and MPJ in. But like, it's why he was still playable is because like, he's really smart at making these little kind of plays um, and moving up there early, realizing like, I'm not the guy who should get this. Like we got two on one over here. It's just super high IQ basketball. All of these guys are super high IQ. That's a just beautiful little kick out to KCP fires makes it. Now we're into the second half. Again, two Lakers behind the play. They crash the offensive glass super, super hard here. And Jokic is just leading the break. Immediately sees that LeBron, I believe that is, Mm -hmm. goes to Aaron Gordon. This isn't me cooking LeBron at all. This is, I think, probably the right call by LeBron. 100%. He stunts toward Aaron Gordon a little bit, tries to get out to contest the three. Again, though, it's a four on two. It's basically an impossible situation for the Lakers because they're crashing the glass. They don't have enough bodies. Another one. LeBron is on the ground here. And like, you never know if LeBron's hurt or not. That was the one where he like turned his ankle. Yeah. That was when we stepped on uh, somebody's foot stepping back. But yeah. Totally. It's, it's, but it's a five on four again. Right. Like, like it's, it's one of those things where like, they hammer every single thing that you where you get a mismatch. Every single thing where they have a man advantage. They hammer it every single time, and it's genius. They're all super smart. Bruce Brown's a super high IQ player. Jeff Green has been in the NBA for decades at this point, it feels like. <laughs> I mean, all of these guys are super fucking intelligent, and they just go. And the Lakers' transition defense has not been good enough in this series. Just straight up. That is the issue for them, in my opinion. This one is seven minutes left in the third. They kind of clear out here. Why did I pull this, Robbie? I don't remember. Let's find out. Uh, we got got Bruce Brown coming around. I I assume this is another D'Angelo thing because he's lost again. Yeah, I, I, my, that's my assumption is we're tar- we're targeting D'Angelo here. So we got a little double, a little stagger. D'Angelo, look, look here's the thing. Where's no, he's, he does the right thing here. He peels okay, onto so Gordon. That's okay. what he should do. Well, now uh, we've got three guys around Jamal again. So this is LeBron. Is Again, uh, this is LeBron on off-ball okay. yeah, defense. He just, he just, okay, he bails on MPJ. All right. Yeah, he bails. So LeBron is guarding Michael Porter Jr., there's thought, no communication on a switch here. Oh, and it's Bruce Brown. I thought Jamal was on the ball. Why are you? Cr- oh, my God. Yeah, no, you're crowding Bruce Brown. <laughs> LeBron just kind of like floats off of Michael Porter here. Uh, that's a closeout that Austin Reeves can make just straight up like onto KCP. I have no idea why LeBron is this far toward the baseline uh, on this play. He I just like completely peeled off and left Michael Porter. Well, you know, the thing that's like killer about these is – each of these is like within a couple possessions and like the Lakers yeah. would get some momentum offensively and maybe get a stop and get it close or even take the lead. They just could never string together stops because as soon as they miss a shot, then they're in just hell. Like they have yeah. no, 
and this wasn't even coming off a semi transition. This is just bad defense, but like their inability to string together stops was has been noticeable throughout. And it's a testament to like Denver who like they would get really bogged down. It felt like, but they just kept being ahead by a couple points. Like they just had such a Mm -hmm. knack of being able to create some, some offense to not let the Lakers go on those like 10, 13 0 runs that the nuggets were able to go on uh, and push it away. And that's also been another big thing. This series is like LA can't get an extended run and Denver can. Um, yeah. And those things are so big. No, that's definitely right. And this is just like a sick action on some right. level I mean, this too, is, this right? is awesome, but. Yeah. So like you set this little, it's, it's like a classic, like flex kind of offense set that you turn into like an empty side double drag essentially. So mm-hmm. like, you're going to see Michael Porter, he's getting this screen from Jamal Murray on the backside. He's going to flex cut like toward the basket across the play. And then you have Bruce Brown come over he's going to get this double drag from uh, Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon. And it's just like, wait, like th- this is like classic, like flex five out. Like everybody can handle, everybody can play on the ball. Well, it's also and really five when, guys that can. Yeah. Well, it's also really when they're, when they're denying Jamal that hard to like run him up, like he's coming to get the ball and then use him as the first screener. Like you could sell that threw them off because Vanderbilt wasn't in a position to do anything to stop the ball because he's just yep. in full ball denial mode. So like, it's just, a, it's, it's a good, it's good offense to run given what they are trying. You know, the defense's main objective is, and that at this point was still keep the ball out of Jamal's hands. It's just absolutely sick. Like th- th- this team is sick. The Denver Nuggets are sick. They're on so offense. good. Like the shit they run is awesome. Like uh, obviously having Jokic is an incredible marginal advantage just because he's like an absolute basketball genius. But it's just like, even the offense they're running is like super sick. Like it's not like wildly complicated stuff necessarily. Again, this is just like the flex offense has been around for decades upon decades upon decades, but just like turning this little flex cut into a double drag into an empty side. And like LeBron basically (laughs) ends up, I don't know. Did he think this might be like a hammer play? I think so. Do you think that's, Possible. That's why Maybe he jumps out the KCP. Down. Yeah. Does he think that like this is a hammer play where they're trying to get KCP? It must. Be. I think it's possible, and right? it might have been. Honestly, like it might have been they because like using MPJ to lift the guy off the corner, and it's just a really yeah. good read from Bruce Brown to realize like, okay, like LeBron didn't lift, so that means Michael's open. So like, just throw it to the wing, you know, like it, it might've been designed to be a hammer play. Cause you see how KCP kind of just like falls back and, and MPJ lifts like, yeah, might've been what they were going for. And LeBron did read it right. He just also didn't realize that Austin was in position to, to kind of stop it. Cause he, he's not helping that hard down to the rim. Cause it's, it's Bruce Brown driving on Anthony Davis. Like you don't need to help him that much. I think that is right. I think that is what LeBron sees here. But, like, there's no screen exchange either on the backside, Mm-mm. really. Like, Mm-mm. yeah. This yep. is – it's just not great defense from LeBron. It's not there. great defense, and it's just a really good offensive – and using your players in the right position, right? Like, there's two guys who can shoot on the on the floor right there, and you have them both in the position to knock down shots, right? Like, that's just yep. – that's using your personnel. Well, like, if for some reason that's – Aaron Gordon in the corner, like LeBron lifts for sure. And it's just like, take that shot. But you have 
KCP at this point had knocked down a couple in the third. Yep. And so they're kind of keying in on him. And then you have the other guy who can shoot on the floor in MPJ over there. So it's just a good use of your personnel. No, totally agree. Uh, here we go again. Jamal Murray coming off of just like a little loop play. Uh, why? Okay. So this is just them kind of getting the lost. Uh, yeah. Dennis is on the ground here. And I just don't love that LeBron goes to Jeff Green here. Like to me, LeBron should be stunting toward Green and letting Green take that open three and then flying yeah. toward Michael Porter, right? Yeah. I mean, this one, yeah, Michael this Porter's one's tough, the- but it's definitely like that. Yeah. Like that's there's, like there's, there's one. There's like, one I'm not gonna, no, yeah. That's just see the ball going to somebody open, and then you kind of. I think he probably just processed that one at the end. Yeah, and was no. like, Well, well, damn. <laughs> I, I, I would like him to like make an effort to go to one of them. Like, well, close on one of them hard. He's tired. Like if you're gonna stunt, if yeah, I know. If you're gonna stunt toward Jeff Green, stunt toward Jeff Green, then go to Porter. If you're going to just close out on Green, close out on Green. I think that's reasonable. But like, don't just stand in the middle and don't not contest anybody either. You know what I mean? It's not great, but you know, he's played forty back to back, so right. And he has that, like, who knows, like how the ankle's feeling after he turns the ankle. Like, there are a million things. Like, yeah, and so much of this is happening so so fast, unbelievably fast. For sure, this shit is. But I mean, this is also this is this is also what is the difference, and LeBron knows that too. Like he. Like yeah. he knows it better than anyone. Like he's, it's, it's just, it's a tough situation to be in. And yeah, I mean, they're just, but again, like, what is this? And they're two, two point game. Like LA was scoring. LA's offense yes. was doing solidly. Like even without LeBron putting a ton of pressure on the rim, they're getting to the line. Anthony Davis having a great game. Reeves having a great game. Rui was hitting shots again. Like they yep. were, they were doing solid offensively. It was just, again, like, when they missed, they got punished, and then um, they just could not string together enough stops. And again, it's a testament to what uh, what Denver does. And, and also, that's another one where like Aaron Gordon going and getting the rebound because he's got a mismatch on Schroeder um, on the yeah. on a bunch of switches, like to say like I can go get this board. And, and another thing that I want to be very clear about as we talk about this, every NBA defense is going to break down. Like th- yep. that's the reality of this. Like yep. NBA defenses can't be perfect. Th- th- there are too many talented offensive players, especially at this level playing in the Western conference finals against one of the best offenses in the league. The Lakers sh- will never be perfect in this circumstance, mm-hmm. but it's more that the nuggets just are systematically built to absolutely fucking destroy you. Every single mistake that you make. And I yep. think that that is what is the takeaway here more than like, Look, the Lakers have a lot of breakdowns defensively. That is accurate, but it's more a testament to the Nuggets' skill level to me than anything else. Yeah, and it's also I think the the thing that we're seeing in these clips is like a lot of this is not Jokic, and we so often talk about how Jokic will pick apart defenses, but like it's so clear That's that right. this whole team has kind of picked up that knack of like we know what where we're all supposed to be. They all know who is going to be open depending on what the – again, with the, like the Bruce Brown play, like knowing that if LeBron stays in the corner, MPJ is going to be open on the wing. And he didn't – you know, he doesn't miss a beat there. And like yep. that's 
that's a little bit new, I think, for this Denver team because, like, I'll ask you this: like, is is Will Barton making that pass? Mm-mm. Not like Mm-mm. he's he's not making that pass that Bruce Brown makes. Will Barton's a very nice player, but like, it's it's how they upgraded the playoff rotation. I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. It's like they trade away regular season depth and banked on their stars being healthy. But the only way they're doing anything is if their stars are healthy. So why not build the best team around your healthy stars? Why worry about mitigating Jamal or MPJ missing time? Cause you're cooked probably if those guys miss time. So why not? Right. Why not build the best roster around? Like we, we, I think, Teams sometimes fall in this trap, especially if they've had guys who have gotten injured of being like, well, we need to be ready if they miss X amount of games. If they're missing games in the playoffs, you're cooked no matter what. So why not build the best seven man? I mean, he's running seven, barely eight. Like he's trying to get away with as few Christian Brown minutes as he can. Yeah. And everything else is just the seven dudes. And KCP and Bruce Brown are the two that they brought in and it's made all the difference in like Jeff Green is just like, you know, he's not going to make catastrophic mistakes, right? Like that's what he's there for is be in the right spot. Like he had one, like he tried to like step up and take a charge on LeBron on a drive. And I was like, Jeff, come (laughs) on, you too. You've played with this man. (laughs) Grow up, Jeff Green. Come on. You can't step in front there like that. Like he's just going to Euro you. It's going to be M1. At least hack him. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I mean like, he, they just like Jeff Green's the weak link, but he's the seventh man. If yeah. Jeff Green's your seventh man, right. you're in you're in pretty good shape. But it was such an upgrade adding adding KCP and Bruce Brown, especially if Bruce Brown's gonna knock down shots. Like this has been gravy. Bruce Brown, yeah, being shape. Bruce Brown being like not just like a good you know seven million dollar a year get. He's like a this guy's about to get like fifteen million dollars feels like in free agency. Like. 100%. He has been absolutely enormous. Uh, this this is where we now, and I, I think that your point is great. Like it's the trickle down effect of Nikola Jokic, right? Like Nikola Jokic gets the ball on the break, goes, makes the early pass, and then the other guys are making the right pass, the right play, the right attack at the right time, right? Like the trickle down of Jokic being on the court is very real, and I think that that as much as Jokic dominating Rui, which we'll talk about here in the fourth quarter, now that we're into the fourth, yeah, like that is the big thing. There is such a substantial trickle, trickle down effect with Jokic. So here Jokic just gets the ball on the block. This is 10 minutes left in the fourth. And I think this is where he just realized I'm going to go to work. I, I want to talk about this one in particular, because we talked early in the game about how they needed to not have D'Lo on the floor. You can't play the Rui matchup here. Um, with Anthony Davis on the floor. This gave Jokic this this flipped the switch. Like Jokic was really tentative when AD was on the floor. It was working. Like everybody talked about, oh, they're gonna adjust to the Rui thing. When it was Rui and AD for game two and most of, of game three, like Jokic was pretty hesitant. He was not looking to do his thing offensively. He was not looking to score. He was kind of tentative about going into the paint. Right here. Like, you can't have Rui at the five and LeBron at the four against Jokic. You just can't no. do it. Because, like, Jokic doesn't care if LeBron comes and helps. What, no. what does he care? Austin Reeves is the low man? Like, what are we doing? Like, you can't have that. That is the type of mistake. Like, I know you're trying to buy AD some rest. But it, you just you can't structure the lineup this way uh, when Jokic comes back in. The other thing was Jokic just sat for eight minutes. 
Yeah. Like the foul trouble turned out, I think, to be a blessing in Denver's favor. Favor. Disguise. Yep. Because here's the thing. If they survived if without it. They survived. It was like a minus three without Jokic, which like if you told Michael, Michael Malone they could go eight minutes and be a minus three without Jokic, he would do it every game. Yeah. He if you could if they could do that, he would be like, Yeah, I'll I'll take that. And Jokic came in and they they don't have AD out. He puts the little spin on Rui. There's nobody there. Like D'Angelo Russell's not gonna help. Look at him. He's even looking, he doesn't even bother going over. Like Yeah. It's just it, it was that one got him going, and then from there it was a masterclass because he was also the freshest legs on the floor. Yeah, no, it's hundred percent right. And you're like, like I don't even blame like I would like to see Russell like do something there. Yeah, but, like, but what's he going to do? Either. Like, it's, I don't even blame him. Because also Michael if he crashes, Porter, it's MPJ. Like, like, it's going to be a corner yeah. three. Yeah, no, like, that's fine. It's just that Rui is not a great matchup for Jokic, is the thing. Not so here, yeah, they're going to get Rui one-on-one against Jokic again. Just going to drive over the top. This is with AD on the court. Mm-hmm. But I think that he recognizes that with AD, Jeff Green opposite corner, this is a long rotation, even for Anthony Davis. And he just feels yeah. like he can get, beat Rui to the spot and get to the spot that he wants. He also like uses Rui almost as a screen on Anthony Davis. Look how he keeps – like he doesn't try to yeah. blow by Rui. He just says, I can go over Rui. I can't go over AD. So he just like yeah. AD and throws a hook shot over. <laughs> but this was another thing that, that Malone did. This is when he took – uh, Gordon out and played MPJ at the four and Jeff Green and so he had two guys in the corners that were spacing AD out two steps further Um, that's right nobody's in the dunker spot so he just says go to work Yep, that's absolutely right. I think that was the critical thing. Playing Michael Porter Jr., they've been closing with a lot of not Michael Porter Jr. at times, or like going long stretches in the fourth without Michael Porter. Going Michael Porter in the fourth was big here, not even because of the production. Like Michael Porter played really, really well today. Like he He had 14 points and 10 rebounds were critical. He had six assists. Did you know that's a career high for him? Six. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, not surprising, but it's just incredible. Yeah, so here we go again. Just Jokic, seven thirty left in the game, mm-hmm. and now we're just backing down Rui, backing down Rui, and this is where the trickle down effect comes, swing, right? Swing. Because, yep, AD realizes, okay, I'm gonna have to help because he's just scored back to back buckets on Rui. I'm gonna have to help. I have to double. Also, Jokic realizes I can just hit this kick out. They'll swing it to the corner. Boom, boom. What's Lo- what's what's Lonnie doing here? Why are we digging on a double? Like, yeah, that? it's a fair point. Why? It's why a great are point. we? Why are we? Why? What's why? Yeah, he That's needs to be attached. To know, like, you just have to stay out. Like, if Jokic can make that pass at a corner, like, damn sure can make a, the one pass can, away pass. But like, yeah. he. he oh. Yeah, no, but like, here's the thing. Like, if he goes, if he floats it over the top of Anthony Davis here, because that's what it has to be. It'd have to be a floater Mm -hmm. over the top. You can assume that you can get to that corner on an X out, right? Because it's going to be a high arcing pass to get there. Uh, I I get it. Like, you do have to, it is, again, like, it comes down to instinct, right? Like, on some level, the instinct here is he knows he's in a one on two scenario. He knows that's Jokic in the middle of the court, and he knows he's responsible for closing out onto both of those guys. And if he has to go to the corner, then Ruby has to go up and X out. Yeah. Or if he has to go to the wing, he has to go to the wing, right? This is just – to me, it's because of the gravity of Jokic. They have to get this – No, it's for there. sure the gravity. It's just I, – yeah. I feel like – and like, yeah, you're right. I mean, Jokic 
can make that pass to the corner. So maybe you're cooked either way, but like, it just feel like you're putting yourself in no man's land when like you could at least take one option away. And you're not wrong. Either. Like here, here's the, no, I understand. Thing. Like, yeah. Like things are moving Jokic quickly. Is, Jokic is absolutely so sick in terms of a passer. So right as he turns here, he can put the ball in his left hand. If Walker isn't in that passing lane and just fucking fling that thing to the yeah, corner. That's that's fair. like on a wraparound left hand off, pa- like offhand around Davis. Like he's yeah, just that's gross. Fair. Yeah. Like it, it's just the trickle down of Jokic's impact here again. And like, this is, this, fair. that was the last time the Lakers had the lead. And also I think this is when they started a 13 0 run. That was the beginning this of it. Is, that was the beginning of the 13 0 run. Here again, AD and, on the back. And this, this is honestly good transition defense. This is like, I, I have no complaints here, but. Well, again, the gravity of Jokic, where AD feels like he has to get all the way back, get a body on Jokic, because if he doesn't, you know, he's Rui's already pinned fairly deep in this circumstance. There's just nothing Rui can do. But again, like it's also a good job of order wide open. It's also a good job of Murray, like keeping AD on his hip as he ran down. So AD couldn't get past him. Yep. Like he does a really right, good job right, of just right. like holding him on the hip and just dribbling. Like he wasn't trying to sprint. He was just like, I'm going to hold the big fella back. And then once yep. he gets to the three point line, AD darts in and he's got the man. Yep. And by the way, again, what we were talking about in transition earlier, Michael Porter Jr. could easily take this or take this pump fake, relocate, take mm-hmm. a sidestep three. Instead, he attacks with one dribble, forces the close out from the corner. And then he kicks it to the weak side or kicks it to the corner. Bruce Brown, wide open three, bang. Gravity of Jokic, patience. Every single thing we've talked about in these clips magnified into one single thing there, I thought. Uh, And then here we go again. This is the 99 to uh, 94. I think this is literally the next time down the court. Uh, Jamal Murray comes down. Jokic, AD's there on a double. He's waiting. He's just straight doubling. They force – this is a really just smart cut, in my opinion, here by Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. Force Austin Reeves to, to kind of just dig and tag that cutter a little bit. You get the wide-open kick out to Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown – Dennis yeah, Flops. Kind of pumps and then Dennis Flops. Yeah, this, this was, I think, was one of – yeah, one of four that we called out in the middle of these clips. Dennis, come on, man. Like, I know what you're doing. You're trying to get five on 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 Big Honey here. Yeah. But, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. They even he called out on the right broadcast. Like, Jeff Van Gundy, just appalled at Dennis. <laughs> right so disgusted. Like, <laughs> even, like, like Marge, look, Mar- look at him. I mean, he literally steps right in front of Jokic's line because he sees him come and he's 100%. like, I'm going to take an off-ball charge into mm-hmm. my back. <laughs> Scott Foster, like, busted open, like, prime <laughs> Ric Flair, not calling it, not having it. Crimson Mask, oh. Scott Foster. Oh, my God. And then here, this is the second to last one. We get this play here. Uh, what we've got, Jamal coming down, kind of an empty side, sort of clear out action. It's not even like a screen, really, because it's so deep. But I know it's Bruce Brown again, by mm-hmm. the way. 
Spruce yeah, we keep doing always, that. Yeah. Just wraps around. Oh, and then Austin, Austin, Austin Reeves just like, in hell. <laughs> absolutely in hell. Because look at this. This this is a great screen here, like a little mini screen. I mean, it's not even like a high ball screen. It's just like a just, well, we're gonna set this little screen as right he's coming through. Yeah. I mean, just Eight, that's an impossible uh, spot. No, yeah. that's just good luck, young man. Sorry, dude. Uh, and then finally, last one here. This is this is our last miscommunication from the Lakers in this game, and it came. Uh, it was basically the backbreaker. One hundred eight to one hundred one, three twenty-four left. Little screen here, a five-one ball screen. Just your classic five-one ball screen. We love to. In, we love the inverted pick and roll, don't we, folks? We do. And Schroeder comes out, kind of gets high. I don't really even know what coverage they're running here, if I'm being completely honest. I don't know if they knew either. Um, We're seeing ghosts at this point on the Lakers defense. Yeah, like Anthony Davis goes under here, which makes me think he thought it was just a straight switch. He stays attached to Jamal Murray, and Dennis, for some reason, decides to try and recover back. I'm unclear on why he left the ball there. Uh, that, oh, this was that, right that, after a LeBron three, wasn't it? So like, yeah, yep. they were kind of vibing. They're like, oh, maybe no. Right back, it just come immediate answer. leaves them. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know on this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I don't don't have an answer because if you go under you're not icing like it's just what it's it's i think more than anything a testament to the problems that the nuggets give you well being by running a 5-1 ball screen like correct how many <laughs> times do you decide in, in, with three minutes five, left one. in the western conference finals <laughs> where like maybe ad thought it was uh you know an ice and he's just not used to getting over the top but Dennis isn't icing here. Like Dennis no, is like he's getting blitzing, out. but like you're not yeah. gonna you can't blitz there. So like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just guys being like that's the thing. It's like you put guys in a position they're not dudes. used. Guys be <laughs> you put guys in a position where they're not used to being in in a high pressure situation, and like, yeah, that's tough, man. And I think yeah. that's the exact pressure that Denver puts on you. And I think yeah. that's why they're going to go to the NBA finals. Right. And we'll yeah. see what happens in the NBA finals. Unequivocally. I think they should be the favorite moving forward. For sure. But like that is why they're set to go to the NBA finals. The pressure they put on you is just vast. We're going to spend 10 minutes. We're going to talk about Jimmy Butler momentarily. Um, and then we're going to talk about fast sex because we need to do it. Yeah. Okay. Quick commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, Robbie, the Jimmy Butler experience yesterday. I was not watching this game live. Mm-hmm. I was like a little bit behind. And then I like just happened to look at Twitter real quickly and I see the timeline just go nuts. And I'm like, okay, I should probably fast forward. And then I see Grant Williams drill a three. And I'm watching this game on Synergy. And I don't see the full extent of it at first. I see him like just turn. It's like the full, you get the full like sideline or uh, mm. yeah, sideline view. And I see him turn and I see him talking to him and I'm just like, okay, 
that seems like a disaster. Like that seems like it might not be good. And then I saw the full extent of it. And then I saw the next play and I was like, Oh no, what have you done? Grant. I I love Grant Williams. I'm not one of those people that like dislikes him because he's like kind of an antagonist a little bit. He understands the assignment. He knows the role and he's not nearly as like antagonistic with it with Dylan Brooks. He's like, he's in the check George, George Niang zone. I think. Yeah, like, just a more like... defensive player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Physical, strong, like really annoying. Just talks. And you're like, talks. Well, should you be talking? Like, that's the constant question with those guys, right? Like, I, I love those guys that are just like, should you? But like, I guess like none of our other guys are going to talk. So like, I, go for it, I guess, you know? But and, sometimes, sometimes you shouldn't talk. And like a lot of those guys... Grant Williams is really fucking smart. Like I've talked to Grant. Mm-hmm. Grant is like Grant is a vice president of the Players Association. Grant is a really sharp dude. I just don't I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're doing, sir. Like, uh it comes down, Jimmy scores on him, Jimmy mm-hmm. gets in his face, they start talking, they start jabbing. And I mean, my goodness, what happened after that? I think Jimmy scored like 11 points or something like that in the last like six minutes. And it's just like, come on, don't let that guy who has fucking obliterated everybody who there are legendary stories about from Minnesota, where he literally (laughs) took the third team, beat the starters of Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins and screamed at the GM, you fucking need me. And then they beat Philly uh, last year in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. And he starts yelling, Tobias Harris over me? You pick Tobias Harris over me? That's the guy you're trash talking. The guy who takes every little chip well, and makes it a boulder on his it's shoulder. Not, it's not even just that. Like you're You're doing it to the guy like specifically this playoffs – who I'm not sure you can name anybody who's played better than yeah. like Jokic Other is maybe the Jokic. only guy on his level. Yeah. And he's, he's not killing you yet. So why? Like if you're up, what were they, what were they up at the moment at the time? Like eight or something. They're uh, up, Grant, yeah. The grant three put them up nine. The grant three put nine. them up nine. So it's like, you're doing, you're doing well. You need this win. Like I get your, I like I get what he's going for is like Boston needed an edge and they needed to find that. But like maybe like it's also at this at some point you have to realize like maybe your team's not that team that yeah. like has that edge. And so if you're not gonna be able to go down and sc- like Jimmy Butler can do that and he can make he can like force his team to have that dog in them or, you know, whatever we want to call it. Like he can force that on his guys, even though, I I mean, how many guys on that roster other than maybe Kyle Lowry, would you really like feel that way about that are playing right now? Like they don't necessarily all have that edge, but Jimmy can give the whole team that edge because he can take over games. Like Bam isn't a guy that like, I think about that, you know, like that kind of, I'm going to go down this. 
So Jeez. not go dominate. I think that every single one of those guys has like crazy confidence. Like Caleb Martin is like a crazy okay, confidence dude. Max Struess is a crazy fucking confidence dude. Um, but yeah, like Kyle like, Lowry is like a real like. I think that that is what they have. Like they okay. go into games thinking they're going to win, no matter fair. what. That's fair, and like I think. Butler can accentuate that, but he can also just like make everybody feel really yeah. good about themselves because like he's just yes. capable of like doing some crazy things and making and like he'll tell you like he'll get on his guys and he'll tell them like shoot that shot like you got this and like I don't know if the Celtics necessarily have that same dynamic and like they kind of are maybe a little more quiet killers sometimes yeah and if that's your vibe based on your stars yeah maybe don't get the guy who is the loud killer loud, loud you know, like just kind of yeah, leave, and- leave it be for a minute because you put the, you put the onus on, you know, your guys to take over the other guys to take over. It's not going to fall on you to go get the buckets to match Jimmy as he's going off. Yeah. So it's like, and like part of the prior problem Boston has is they need to kind of, I think their guys need to step into those moments a little bit better than they have all year. Like this has been the problem Boston has had is like turning 10 point games into two point games. (laughs) Like in the fourth quarter, like they've turned, that's been their issue all year, right? Like their fourth quarter execution is a mess on offense. It really is. They don't, they don't execute particularly well. They kind of just, devolve into a little bit of iso ball they go i think they go prevent offense way too soon when they have a lead yeah um there's only 24 seconds on that shot clock like i can't run that much time uh um, teams are better than ever at making threes you can't do it like, yeah you, and, you can't and like take a, you can't nurse a 10 point lead and to me there, there's like nothing more nothing more apropos or beautiful to me than and i mean this with absolute fucking love and respect and appreciation for all of these undrafted dudes on Miami. Like I I genuinely love them. And I think that Miami particularly does a great job of evaluating these guys. These guys are genuine NBA players. Mm. What I'm about to say might sound a little bit rude and I don't mean it. Like, I swear I don't mean it that way. There is a beautiful synergy to Jimmy Butler forcing his way out of Minnesota by shouting at the general manager, you fucking need me while leading the third team to like a enormous win over the first team of like Marcus Teague, um, not Marcus Teague, Jeff Teague, Jeff Jesus Teague. Christ, uh, Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Towns, et cetera, et cetera. It would have been less right. impressive if it was Marquise Teague. If it was Marquise Teague. Shout out Marquise Teague. Um, <laughs> there's a beautiful synergy to him leading the third team over that first team. And that being like up until frankly, like the 2021 playoff run, Mm. that being his thing that he was Mm. known for, right. Him taking a team of Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, very older Kyle Lowry, um, you know, Duncan's playing again, Duncan Robinson's out there again. Like, like, Max Struess is undrafted. Caleb Martin is undrafted. All of those guys. And like Bam Adebayo is like a different beast, right? Like Bam is unbelievable and, you know, credit to him. Haywood Highsmith has played like some minutes in these playoffs. Like he's taking those guys to absolute like 
the pinnacle right now. Right. Well, and I, I think, think that's like the... beautiful level, right? Yeah. Well, it goes to the like it's again. I think it's the confidence that he puts in him when he gets going like that. Like you feel like all yeah. right, like, this dude because he he'll just keep telling his guys like he'll just be like shoot that shot. Like he wants you to take that shot in that moment when he gives it to you. Because like there's see, I think there's value in when you have a guy who can take over the way he has in those fourth quarters, you know, the value he places on the basketball too. Like he doesn't turn yep. the ball over. He makes the right play in those moments. So when he passes you the ball, it's, it's very similar to what LeBron has always done. When he passes you the ball, there's a gravity to it. There is a, okay. Like there's a belief in that pass coming to me. He's not just passing it. So the ball comes back to him. Or he's not just passing it to get into the, like he is the offense right now. If he's passing me the ball, he wants me to shoot this and finish this possession. And I think there's a there's a power in that in the confidence that it gives guys that I think is kind of like the way that that LeBron operated with those you know Cleveland teams where it's like when he passes you the ball like there's a little bit of pressure but there's also like this boost of confidence like I, I'm gonna knock down the shot because like the the best player in the world believes in me. Well, right now, Jimmy Butler's playing like the best player in the world. And so why wouldn't you, if you're Gabe Vincent, believe you're going to knock down that three or Max Struess or any of these guys, like when he's telling you, like, I believe in you to do this, he believes in himself and look what he can do. Like there's, there's some, there's something to that. I think, especially with those guys who have kind of like all these guys have talent, like anybody who makes it to the league has talent. And we know that, but being able to instill that confidence in guys is so big. And again, that's kind of what I go to is like, I think he elevates that in a way that other stars don't necessarily like, I think they like, they have that in them well, to grind. Jokic to get does here. this too. I Jokic think by too. the way. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like when he throws you that ball, like, like Bruce Brown, when he throws Bruce Brown, the ball in the corner, he puts it right in the pocket. Bruce Brown's like, all right, this is going to go up. If Bruce Brown's playing somewhere else, he probably like Bruce Brown never shot those shots in in Brooklyn if he didn't have to. But now he's like stepping into threes. Yeah. Bruce Brown coming into this season had taken over the course of his career. uh, Let's see what the number is. It looks like, let's say, 333s. Over the course of this season alone, Bruce Brown's played. Coming into this year, Bruce Brown had played 6,300 minutes and had taken 333s over the course of his career. Yeah. This season in 2,000 minutes, he's taken 250. <laughs> yeah. I like, mean, like, it's real. It is. Like, when those guys that are the smartest, are the best, give you that ball and put it in, and like just do it with that confidence and throwing that pass to you, like, it's not like a begrudging pass, you know, it's not like I got doubled and I'm kicking it out to you. It's like, I'm like, there is, there's something to that. And like, it's, it's something that I think Miami's just feeding off of it, you know? Cause I mean, you look at like Duncan coming back and Duncan didn't play for like a year and a half, like straight up was out of the rotation for like a year and a half. And he comes back in and like, it's credit to him, stay ready, all that. But it's also credit to, Bam and Jimmy and these guys to give them the confidence of like, when we get you the ball, like if Bam sets you that DHO, like put that thing up uh, he's yep. going to get you no the question. space that you need. When Jimmy passes you the ball, he wants you to put that thing up because he knows he can go get a shot. He's giving you the ball. Cause he thinks that shot's good and better than what he yep. can make. 
and you know how good he is. And I think there's a lot yeah. of value in that. And I don't know if necessarily Boston has that same trust. Yeah. And believe. No, right I agree. Now. Like, I agree. like straight yeah. up, like when Jalen and Jason go kind of iso ball, like it, it feels like sometimes they throw grenades out rather than trying to like get guys in the flow. Um, uh, and like, like Derek white is more talented than everybody on Miami outside sure. of bam and Jimmy, obviously like Derek white is better than these guys. Derek White is not playing better than Caleb Martin in this series right now. No. Like that is the reality of the situation. That is a statement that I never thought I would make, but it does feel like that. Like it, it feels like Derek White kind of is playing without confidence right now. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Like that no. really sucks. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Th- this is one of the coolest, most surprising titles. This team was like on the ropes in the playing game. They got blown out by Atlanta. They smoked by Atlanta, like a not, a, a not good Atlanta team. And then they were down 15 to Chicago. Yes. I believe in the same game, like a, a, bad, a bad Bulls team. If DeMar DeRozan um, lets his daughter miss like school <laughs> the next day, they might not be here. <laughs> oh my God. It's unbelievable. It's it's but this it is, really is. It's genuinely the most surprising title run, like title, you know, potential finals potential, run. Sure. Even frankly, like it's the most surprising conference, like championship run or like finals run that I can remember. And yeah. it's a credit to all. It's a credit to Jimmy Butler first and foremost, but like all these dudes that are just feeding off of Jimmy, it's real. Well, and you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I think we have a really hard time talking about the playoffs just generally because we all want to think about sample size and we don't want to overreact. And I think there's this general idea of like, we don't want to, we want to believe at some point things are going to come back down to, down to earth. Like there's a reason Boston was minus 650 or whatever coming into the the series. Like you're like, but I think the hardest thing to do is just, except that sometimes maybe what we've seen over three weeks in the playoffs is just what it is right now. And yeah. like, sometimes we do. And like, I know people are like, Oh, it devalues the regular season. I'm like, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Cause look, we got Denver in the other half yeah. that's playing the best basketball and they were the best team all year in the West. And they're still playing the best basketball. And like, yeah, the Lakers were the seventh seed, but the Lakers were also the best Western conference team in the second half of the season. Yeah. Like it doesn't devalue the West or it doesn't devalue the, the regular season. It's just sometimes Boston was the number Boston, two seed. Like they were the sure. best team in the league this year. Like, sometimes yeah. you have outlier shooting, but like sometimes like this is just what happens in the playoffs. And it's, it's okay to acknowledge that and move on. And like, sometimes the team just gets it together at the right time. Sometimes the team doesn't. Sometimes the team peaks in March. Sometimes yeah. you're the bucks no. and you just peak in March and it's just tough. That's the way a game where you throw a ball through a hoop works. Like sometimes yeah. a team can get hot and a team can stay hot. And so far Miami's doing it. And like, the thing is, it's like, it felt like the regular season, like we've been wondering why Miami hasn't been shooting well for like two years. Like we were like, we've seen you, all these guys make shots. Yeah. So it shouldn't be like a total shock that like Max Struess can shoot or like Gabe Vincent's a good player or, you know, like any of this, like, and we've seen Jimmy do this. Like he shoots his threes. He saves his threes for the playoffs. That's right. Why not? Yeah, it's 100% right. Okay. It's time. Let's get to the main event. The main event here. So there's no way to talk about Fast X without spoiling it. Yes. Yeah, so genuinely, here. this movie is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. 
it is a completely batshit experience. Yeah. And I, I there's no way to talk about it without talking about everything what the happens. fuck happened in this. Everything movie. happened. So if you haven't seen it. So yeah, we just want to be very clear. If you've not seen Fast X, this is gonna be a spoiler conversation. And you care. If you want to and see you it. Care. Yeah, like by all Come means, back to like, it later though, because you're gonna need this therapy session as well. Like bookmark it here. G- genuinely. We're an hour, eight minutes in, bookmark it. Come yes. back after you've seen it because you're going to have hopefully uh, thoughts thoughts and, and feelings that we're going to get out here because, boy, like you messaged me last night about it and I was like, I'm seeing it tomorrow. And like I'd seen yeah. all the tweets. I'd seen all the like, – like Zach Harper was like, that was what, what the fuck did I just watch? And like that – Zach saying that was like a – okay, like I'm getting into something here. But Zach, like, Zach has a higher tolerance for this. He's stuff got a high doing. threshold. Uh, <laughs> and here's the thing. So like I saw a bunch of, like I saw like Sean Fennessy like melting down about it. And I was like, okay, like that's a movie guy. Like I'm not a like cinema guy. Okay. Yeah. And, and for what it's worth, like I, I listen, I listen to the big picture and like Sean has never really liked these movies. And it, that's the reality. Sure. Like, so yeah. that, and so like, I was like, I wasn't really worried about like the real like critic people. Cause I was like, okay, these aren't for you. You know, I'm the yeah. target audience. I'm the person who enjoyed F9. Like, I thought it was a fun yeah. time. Like, whatever. I can suspend re- I, I, I was a little bit less high on, on it. You were. We, and we had this discussion. We we, yeah. we did this last year. And I was like, well, you know, you're, you're right. But also, like, I had fun. So, like, cool. Yeah. This was, like, three bridges too far. Even for <laughs> me. Like, we jumped the shark, like, five times. There were... There had to have been eight times where I laughed out loud in the theater at a moment that was not supposed to be funny. I know. There, were... I, I looked at. I, I told you this. I looked at Laura ten minutes into the movie, and I was like, <laughs> "This might be bad." This might like be it, bad. it. It was after the fourth like insert shot of Vin Diesel trying to emote uh, with something uh, like emotional. Uh, some sort of reaction that he was giving with the camera angle, like low angle coming up high, uh, him looking enormous, like, you know, an angel with like the lighting behind him makes him look angelic. And uh, like, it's just like, what are we doing? So, and and like, he's like trying to give like dialogue that like is supposed to be impactful about uh, family, obviously, because everything, and like the dialogue, particularly that he is giving, is like some of the most cringeworthy stuff I've ever seen. I tweeted after, I was like, did the writer's strike actually start with Fast X? (laughs) Like, is that, is that, was that, was that actually D Day for the writer's strike? Because, like there were a number of lines that I was like, what are we, what are we doing here? And like, they is so clear. They're trying to jam stuff in. And I, I essentially like, it was like half an hour in, I think after we had had like our like eighth, like really aggressive jump from scene to scene, like there was just no yeah, yeah, yeah. continuity where I was like, Oh man, I, yeah. Justin Lin bailed on this. That right. probably should have and been I a th- telltale sign. I think we should mention all of this in terms of the context behind this. So Justin Lin 
leaves this film in the middle of it. Seemingly. I don't know if they were like in the middle of production or in the middle of pre-production. Like it seems, it seems like fuzzy on filming details. Yeah. Some of the details seem very fuzzy and like, Mm -hmm. there's never really been a great explanation for why he left. (laughs) So I think we saw it. I think we have two hours and 20 minutes of an explanation. I, I was going to say, like, look, I, I have some I have some guesses on that. The, the other piece of this that I think is actually quite important to know. Uh, Chris Morgan, for a long time, was the writer on this series. He wrote the fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh films. He also wrote eight. And then I believe wrote Hobbs and Shaw did not write nine and did not write this one. Undeniably nine and X are the the two worst written movies in this series. Like no, no, there's no way around that. Like we can talk about like magnets in nine or whatever, but like this, these are the two worst dialogue wise in this series. Just rock bottom. Like it And even like structurally, like the, (laughs) like structurally like this script is like not structurally coherent and then on top of it michelle rodriguez i think was in an interview they were asking her about louis leterrier who is the director who took over in the middle of this for justin lynn and she said something like he really saved our ass like he was incredible um like they uh, didn't have like the back half of a script, I think, or like maybe the final act of the script as they were in production for the film and they were like trying to do things on the fly. And like Louis Leterrier like did a great job. I, I gotta be honest. I am not a Louis Leterrier guy. I had a lot of concerns when he was hired for this thing. Uh, he made The Incredible Hulk, which is the worst Marvel movie. He made this movie, which is the worst Fast and Furious movie. He made the Now You See Me movies, which I don't really fuck with, but like, you know, some people do, whatever. Um, he, he's made some like really, really bad stuff. Like he made Clash of the Titans, which was like quite poor. Um, like, I th- like is that is that the one where like Liam Neeson, there was the other one, there was like Wrath of the Titans or whatever. Is that the like mm-hmm. release the Kraken movie or whatever? Ooh, um, I believe so. It might be that one. Yeah. I, I think so. he is like quite bad. Uh, and I think that a lot of those, I think a lot of those like insert shots of like Vin Diesel, like the camera looking up at like Vin Diesel, like he's an angel and like trying to like figure out all of the emotional core. I think comes from him. I, I think he's quite bad at that stuff. Yeah. Like the, they, they didn't hit a single emotional note. Not a not, little bit. Not one. Like they, <laughs> they smoked every single one. Um, Like even like, I think the moment I realized like we were in for it in terms of dialogue, especially was the, the barbecue. Oh like, yeah. There wasn't yeah. even a single good, interaction at the entire barbecue it was all really disjointed like rita moreno's just like says like 12 words like roman starts eating beans or something like it it was it it was one of those where i was just like oh okay we didn't hit on any of these we didn't hit on the emotional note we didn't hit on the comedy note 
we, we've so far whiffed. And like the barbecue scenes were always like a little, there was always a little cringe to them yeah. with the like emotionalness, but like they usually hit on like, you know, better hide your baby oil, better hide that big ass forehead. Like they always hit on like something, yeah. you know, in there. It, Six that, that is enjoyable. probably the best one. I would you know, say. and so like, yeah, to whiff on the on on that was when I was like, ooh, we're in for a long movie in terms of dialogue. But, and like the dis, and this is where like I'm gonna get into like speculation, but like so much of the problems that I had were like involving asking Vin Diesel to act. I, I'm someone that like thinks Vin Diesel like has had moments is like a fairly good actor and like a actually like a very compelling screen presence a lot of the time. Sure. Uh, like he undeniably, like he is a compelling screen presence in like the first, the fast and the furious movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a real interesting figure who like just has this like gravitas that you don't quite understand. It's there in like fast five, even as the transition yeah, fast happens, five for sure. more to yep. like family, you know, yep. And as he's trying to pronounce the word father, like uh, there's just like a lot of interest. Like he can actually like hold the screen in a really compelling way. Mm. He does none of that in this movie. No, like I think, and I think I've figured out what the problem is. Okay. It's twofold. First, it feels like he has like control over this series. Right. And it feels like he takes that very seriously. And I feel like that seriousness mm-hmm. comes into the performance. Like 100%. everything has to have like this real gravitas. gravitas. Whereas, yeah. Like the, fu- the fun of fast five is that it's a fun movie. Like right. fast furious seven is emotional, but it's a fun mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And like the performances are fun. Yeah. There's none of that here. Well, there's one person who has fun in this movie, and he is the best part of this movie, and so, it's Jason yes. Momoa, and he is I, the reason to see this movie. Yeah, I want to be. I want to hold Jason Momoa for a okay. second. Can, okay, Cause sorry, because right I've got so yeah. much to talk about with him. He is. I do I'm too. Sorry. And please, please continue. Is, I'm sorry. He's amazing in this movie. He's so like, good. I think that the second thing that really cratered this is unfortunately Paul Walker passing hmm. because before it was essentially a two-hander in the middle right it was paul walker and it was vin diesel and because of that you had vin diesel off center just a little bit not a lot right Right. just like a small amount Hmm. he was still like the central force of it all but like you had paul walker who was able to be there and was able to take on like a lot of the gravity of the film. And Paul Walker is like a very good actor. Like he is not very good, but like Paul Walker is a good actor and can handle these, you know, situations where he's asked to handle these things. He's also like a great, like martial artist. He's also like, he was capable of a lot. Like he got really, really good throughout the course of these movies, I think. Well, and that also, it also goes to, yeah. The shift for one person in the middle, I think, goes toward the seriousness now well and well it also forced the seriousness because vin started to take real care in like of the series because paul had died and they wanted to make sure they and like i think they've still done a good job with that of like trying to make sure there's always some tie-ins to to brian and like at least trying to kind of explain some things away yeah how much you buy into it whatever but like 
I think he he wanted to like he always wants to do maybe too well by Paul and like they did such a good job with how they ended F seven and handled that moment as well as you possibly could. And since then, it's just been like it's almost felt forced at times. Um, yeah, which I understand, but it's also kind of it's when the series took that shift from fun family to like very like serious, like families, everything we're afraid of losing people. Like yeah. that was when the shift yep. happened where everything was about, I'm afraid of like the losing the people I love. And I think it's because of what happened with Paul, because Vin lost one of his very dear friends in real life. And I think it's impact that it's, it makes it kind of, it's tough to like hammer him for it because like, I understand wanting to do that. But like, it's also just like the tenor of these movies. The it's like, it's all over the place. The levels just don't make sense. Like you go from like Roman doing Roman Pierce shit to like yeah. a very serious Vin Diesel monologue, <laughs> way too quick. And right. it's it's yeah. just like we have there's no time to breathe between like in the middle there's of no... there being like a ball rolling through Rome, <laughs> right? And it's just like, all right, like. And then like, yeah. And there was just like weird choices. Like they were like, all right, we're going to like, they gave Roman like a, like sappy monologue in a fucking plane with Tej, like to be like, you're a leader. And it's like, shut up. Like, can we have the fun stuff? Like with, (laughs) that's their, their role is to do the fun stuff. Like, I don't want this whole thing about Roman. Really? You're a leader. It's like, right. No, but anyway, like, yeah, I think, I think tonally, like that's why I understand why we're here. It's, it's just made the movies worse. Um, it has. No, it and... really has. The other thing that I think this movie has that's a problem is there's just so much. Oh my God. There's they had way too so many ideas. So much movie. Which is insane because they're doing three. This was part one yes. of a three, three part movie. They don't complete the story. How have do so we much have, time. How do we have this much in this movie? What are we doing? Like nothing got, nothing felt finished ever. Every single scene was just like, oh, oh, it's done. And then yeah. like, we're on to a new thing. And it's like, jump cut. We're in fucking Antarctica now. And it's just like, yeah. What? Well, it, well like, it, did they want to me, do something to say they went to the seventh continent? Was that like the whole fucking reason? Yeah. Like, I don't know. But like, the thing that like is weird to me is like, you have this, what? You have like, you have so many plots. So you have like the Vin Diesel plot, which is Correct. like the A plot, right? And then you have Momoa, which is like the B plot that's coming in. And like, he's very, very clearly becoming like the main bad guy of the series. Yeah. And then you have Charlie's Theron and Letty, which is like the C plot. And then you have Roman like, Tej. Han, yeah. Han, Han Roman and, Tej and uh, Natalie Emanuel. Ramsey. Ramsey is her name. Yeah. Um, which is like totally, totally different. And then within all those plots, you get like these side characters that come in, like uh, Helen Mirren Bre- comes in and has a scene. Brie Larson Diesel. is here now. You, oh yeah. By the way, you have Alan Richson and Brie Larson. That's like a fifth plot. That's like, and then you across. have, and then you have John Cena and, and then you'll be. Yes. So John Cena have... and will be that's six. Like also, genuinely six very disparate plots. <laughs> in this movie that are all happening at once. 
And I think that's actually not all of the plots because then you also have Jason Statham coming in into one of these plots. <laughs> well, and so here's another, here's a genuine question I have about filming. Were they not able to get everybody together to film? I actually wonder that too. Because I actually it was that, that same four, Ramsey, Tej, Han, and Roman, that were constantly together. And then yeah. you have Vin and Michelle Rodriguez are together at times, but mostly it's Letty and Charlize. Yeah. And like there's very few there's a very few scenes where kinda everybody's together. Like you have the the barbecue and then you have like but they don't even like even the penultimate scene, they're not together because one four of them are in a plane. And then like yeah. two of them are in our, like there's not a lot where they were together. And that makes it so much harder to tell like so many of these, like all the, all the best ones, like fast five, they're all together. Fast six, they're all together. Even seven, like they're yeah. all together in these scenes. So you can tell the little stories and you can have that interplay between all of these characters and serve all of the characters by having them interact with each other rather than tell six different storylines and plots because that you try to weave together. Like, I feel like they just, they're all very busy people. And yeah. like, I feel like it's really hard to get an ensemble. Like they, it's become an ensemble cast uh, in a way it wasn't when none of them were particularly big names or hot commodities. And I think that is part of what happened. And like, they're just stitching together a bunch of stuff where they can't have them all together. Cause what makes that whole group work is they built the dynamics to work together. Yeah. And so when you split them off, you have lopsided stuff. So like Vin needs the comic relief. Like yes. he needs that near him. Yeah. And so when you don't have it near him, it's just a lot of Vin stuff. But yeah. if you just have Ramsey Tej and, uh, Roman Pete together Davidson. and Pete <laughs> Davidson. Hello. And then like Hans just there. And Hans yeah. always kind of been like the, the quirky, like one liner guy. And it, but they you actually have, like, don't this, know what to do with him. I think no, they having brought him back. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have those three and they kind of like their whole interplay. They've all, those three have always had that interplay together, but like when it's just them, it's just, it's just a lot. And like, I, I, laughed so hard when Tej gets like goes to the back of the truck, takes a two second look at a giant ball of steel and immediately knows exactly what kind of bomb it is. Yeah. What? <laughs> I was like, so what? like I, I wrote a whole thing about how funny it is. Like Tej's journey from two to nine. Yeah. Cause yeah, like, yeah. I, I find it hysterical. Like it's my favorite character arc in the history of movies. Cause like he literally goes from running jet ski races out the back of his garage to fucking outer space and he's the best hacker in the world. I love it. ITT tech can do wonders, whatever. But like <laughs> this motherfucker knows what a bomb is off look. <laughs> he doesn't have to like examine it. Like it's just an orb. <laughs> and he knows the exact type of bomb. <laughs> like get the fuck out of here. Oh my God. Do do it's this? so funny. Like and they like and that's so much of the Tej and Ramsey dialogue is like yeah. technical thing. Do 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 do. Like look at this. It's a ba 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 ba. And it's like yeah. No, don't say that. Like 
Also, I really enjoyed uh, Crystal pointing this out when we were, after we were watching it. She was like, "We're one movie removed from Ramsey, like not like learning how to drive on the fly." Yeah, that's and then, right. And then she's just like, she says some car stuff, and Tej like looks at her. She goes, "I know things." I'm like, "You can't explain it that way. That's not how this <laughs> shit works." Yeah, I know things now. She can't fucking say that. The the other <laughs> like, like again this, oh. this was there a, was is this the writer's strike like what are we doing so <laughs> maybe now is when we get into momoa okay let's go to a let's go to the, yeah let's go to the high the highest of high because oscar momoa is fucking off the rails in this movie oscar unhinged like so, so fucking good my name's dante ashante like I like yeah. he had so many moments that I just he was the only one that was like this is supposed to be fucking fun and but like he made go, choices that were fun. He did he went for it. like the the nails and like the whole like he just went, oh, the moment where he's like what should we blow up and he goes the Vatican like <laughs> oh that's an interesting trip but you're go- we'll do it but you're going to hell and it's just like <laughs> he's just fucking off the rails in this in the best way and he's there, the only is- one who and honestly like. I knew he had like comedy chops because, but he's always been kind of the one-liner guy. Yeah, and he's just fucking. No, this is funny a in this movie. performance. This yeah. is a full-on physical like everything, and it's like they even like. I feel like it was partially his like the dark humor, like he's fucking painting the toenails of dead guys. Like he's that's like, what I was gonna say. There's a scene in this movie where he literally <laughs> is painting the toenails. <laughs> of two dead guys whose eyes he has taped open while he is hacking into a safe in or like a bank in order to steal millions upon millions of dollars. And it works. It's one of and it works. Like, it's and it anybody else this would have been like the most catastrophic scene in the movie. But like you're just like that's I got good, it. That was it. I was like here. that was I'm in. I'm in. I'm the here's the thing. The reason, like, I will be back for Fast Eleven. One because I'm I'm already pot committed. Oh, we're we're so pot committed. We're so deep. But also, like, give me two more movies that Jason Momoa doing this shit. Yes, like he is ten out of ten. He is a Brazilian that does not have a Brazilian accent. I love that he was just like, we're not doing an accent. He's like, I can't do that whole movie. He's like, I'm just a guy. We're not bothering. I was like, no, it's powerful, powerful stuff. It's perfect. He's he's so good. And the thing is, if everybody else acted like that in the movie, this could have been unbelievably fun. That's the thing. He understands the assignment in a way that him and Helen Mirren. Only, yeah, I was going to say Helen Mirren does. I think John Cena does. For yes. like, I think John Cena is really good in this movie. He John Cena is just job. generally like a really good actor. I love um, John Cena. Have we talked about blockers before? <laughs> no, but blockers. Have is we good. ever talked about off-season pod blockers rewatch? <laughs> yes, I'm this not fucking kidding. I'm this not is a good kidding. idea. Okay. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm not going to derail this for like 20 minutes on this. We'll do a whole pod. But blockers, yeah. incredible. If you haven't seen it, John Cena is finest. Anyway, unbelievable. Uh so but it's all the bit it's all the bit people get yeah, yeah, yeah. like so like Ludacris and Tyrese like understand the assignment. I think that they probably like ad lib most of their dialogue, it feels like, because there's sure. nothing else in the movie that is remotely similar to that. Sure. Um so like they get it, they know what they're going for here. <laughs> I don't think 
I don't think Vin Diesel does. I don't think Letty does. I don't think Charlize does. I have Brie no Lars- idea. Why- Brie Larson has no fucking clue what the vibe. I, is. I honestly feel bad for her. I don't think that was her fault. No, like, she, I, I, I don't think, think that, she's. I think she's good in most things, and like this was just like yeah. she was fucking lost. Yeah, like to- totally. And it's not. I don't think it was her fault. No, again, like, not not fault. on her. It's just, yeah. this is a catastrophic um, script. And I will like, say this: the other guy who got it was Alan Richson. Oh, he was great. He totally gets it. He was. Like, he knows the movie he's in. He was like, I was supposed you, to be the rock stand-in. Yeah, like that. That that tan that he has, I would bet you was a choice on his part. He was <laughs> all fuck like and like, and the other thing is like he was one of the few guys that like they kind they gave us just enough of his character to kind of like understand where we were going with him. Yeah, you know. Like nothing was just like, what the fuck happened here? Like it was just like, okay, like I get totally. what we're doing with him, but it's only the bit the bit players that we got that. Also, like Helen Mirren pops up randomly in Rome. She's just there. Uh yeah. and then she leaves. And then I was like, I mean, I guess they like okay. Like I don't know why she was there, but like good to see her. Love her yeah. in the movies. Um, but she just has like info for Dom. Like it was really weird. It was like when yeah, you sure, play like just- it's like when you play just a video pay Helen, game. Just pay Helen Mirren six figures to come in for four minutes and give an info dump. It's great. Yeah, it was great. She was like fresh off the whatever set with Harrison Ford and was like, I'll come do 10 minutes yeah. uh, in like a leopard, in like a pink leopard print jacket. <laughs> awesome. 10 out of 10. Uh, more Helen Mirren. She's great. But like, yeah, it's, there's just, okay. Can we talk about some of like the, the choices that like, I, can we talk about the Pete Davidson scene for a minute? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Han eats a muffin that is a mushroom muffin, right? Yes. The fun muffin. Yeah. He trips for 30 seconds and yeah. it never has a payoff. No, not once. Not even a little bit. Not even in the – it never comes up again. He yeah. immediately is just like, okay, we're going to Jason Statham's house. When yeah. theoretically he should have been high, like you could have done something. Yeah, I was gonna say, there. like, is isn't he stoned? Like for that Out entire of his fucking Jason mind, Statham like you could have, you could have yeah. had some real fun with like Jason Statham interacting with a fucking high as shit Han would have been great in this movie. Would it not have been? Yeah, would have been. Would have been incredible, especially with a guy, can, can you, a guy say. that he's beating up in the punching bag, like Han trying to figure out if that was fucking real. Yeah, you could have, you could have played that, but instead. And Roman's just like throwing powder in the air. No fucking payoff there. What was that? Where'd that come from? He just does it twice and then leaves and we never get anything more. Pete Davidson was it good. Feels like, it feels like that was like a tacked on scene, like at the end, like, cause they were like, like oh, they were just Davidson's like, Hey, Pete Davidson. Right yeah, like, they were like, Hey, Pete Davidson said it? he's in. Um, yeah. Like maybe that was it, but like, Save it for the DVD extras or something like that scene yeah. had no, especially in a movie where you have a bunch of scenes that like needed another two minutes to finish off properly and have a transition. Yeah. Like why Guys, did they do five minutes in there? If you make a two twenty movie, I'm probably there for two forty at the end of the day. Like <laughs> tack it on, or you you know we could have cut that and just kind of like done some smoother transitions into scenes rather than like jump cutting to Antarctica. Real aggressive. Like, there was some aggressive scene to scene movement. Uh, so that that's the other thing that I think bothers, and this is something that bothers me about like Leterrier films in general. Stylistically, they are so 
computer generated. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie looks like shit. It's like, really I, bad. I think that like in my letterbox review, I like, it starts with like, we used to do things in this country. We used to drop buses <laughs> off of cliffs. Like, and like, really actually, had, like make them do, you remember, do you remember when they shot the parking garage scene in Cleveland during the finals one year? Yes. Yes. They literally yes. had cars shooting out of a garage. How many cars yes. do you think actually crashed in this movie? Like 10 real cars? And probably, probably crashed. yeah. Do, do you know how many they wrecked? Do you know how many they wrecked in Fast Five? Like, like over like, 200. Literally. They have like, they literally, dr- yeah. they, they, have you ever seen the behind the scenes where they built the like rig for the safe and like drove the safe through the streets? Like there's somebody yes. in the safe drive. It's fucking sick. It's amazing. It feels like there was nothing tactile, nothing no. like, I also have been watching too many. I've been watching too many Tom Cruise movies the last like two years. I know, and like it's just like fucking ruined shit like this for me. Totally, like straight up. Like I like you watch like Top Gun Maverick and you're like, fuck yeah. We did a whole we did a whole Mission Impossible rewatch, getting ready for Dead Reckoning. Which by the way, Dead Reckoning pod. We will be back for that for sure. That's when yeah. um, Like you're just like this is yeah this is well it's that but like. So, like, there are, like, a few, like, random, like, drone shots of, like, the, like, statue of Rio, right? Mm. Um, there are, like, you know, drone shots, like, establishing Rome, right? It feels like they're, like, I, I don't know this. This is, it just feels like they're, like, almost not even in the locations. Like, a nothing about the lo- Yeah, like. There's no way they were the in lo- Brazil. Locations, yeah. Like, nothing about that, like, feels like you're in. Like, in Fast Five, like, you are in the favelas. Like, you can, like feel that like with how like they use the geography of the location yeah in rome like they're not even really using the geography of the location like they're they not using down, geography they down of the a big hill like, like they, yeah they did some stuff like i don't know if they, i don't know what was going also that scene let's talk about that um like I, you know like i'm i'm all about suspending belief in these action sequences that's fine but like i did find it really amusing when the bomb like rolled down the hill and went like straight through a bus and then, like ten seconds later, Vin Diesel's like steering it with his car. <laughs> After like we're, we're like through a bus, and then like it's not making a dent in the back of his charger. I was like, "This is pretty funny." I enjoyed that. Like, what are we doing? And then he like, he, like oh my, he like God. does like the F nine thing where he jumps off a cliff, but this time he hits a crane and like swings it. That was great. Yeah, 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 I did yeah. enjoy that. That was like the closest that was thing to like cool. old Fast and Furious bullshit. Where like, yeah, this is preposterous. This is fun. It felt like they tried to pay off, like, I think they tried to pay off too many, like, nods to old movies. With this, this is, scene. this is exactly, I'm so glad you brought this up. Cause, this like, is that exactly was exactly like where safe, I wanted to go. That was, like, the safe thing where they have, like, the ball going through the city. And then they've got, um, well, no, Robbie, the whole movie, well, yeah. it feels like is them not having, like, any good ideas on how to propel play the hits. The- yeah, like on how to propel the series forward. Right. So instead, they're looking back to the place that like fans love, right? Mm-hmm. Fast Five is like considered the best, the best. film in the series, right? Yeah. Um, so, okay, like here is we're closing up the series. Let's go back to Fast Five, right? That's what people will love. Yeah. And let's bring back Hernan Reyes' son, right? And make him, uh, you know, Jason Momoa, which is a great choice. I mean, Momoa unbelievable great. choice. Because here's the thing. They they were like, I think they were 50% on retconning shit for me in this movie. Like they, 
which is pretty high. Like they did a pretty, you know, like we'll get to the ending. Bonkers. Like what we'll we get to here? the ending. Like again, a thing that did not land at any way for anyone. Not the least. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a, a what the fuck was that? That's how ours was too. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, what did we just see? Um, yeah. Like, Oh man. Like, yeah, they just like, there's like, there's a nod to like the tunnels with the mine thing from four, uh, yep. while they're in Portugal. Also, I got so many fucking tangents. How the fuck did John Cena get to Portugal? They took a flight from Yuma, Arizona. Yeah. Right? Like, and they, they jumped like... out in a, in a kayak plane. How the fuck did you get from there to Portugal? Like, when do you take, like, when do you take off? Like, do you take off when you're over On the Southern Atlantic airways? On, yeah. Like, are there directs? What, what happened Are there? there? Is there a Yuma to fucking Lisbon? <laughs> How did we get here? I'm going to wake my neighbors. Is there a Yuma to Lisbon? <laughs> what are we, do- what are we oh doing? Oh my god. Is there a neighbors. Yuma to Lisbon? I mean, like, that, like I can, again, I can suspend that. Like, if he had been going to Brazil... All right, it's the same, he- like not in the same hemisphere, but it's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continent, ge- you know. Generally, I, I, by the way, I'm going to be honest with you. I had no idea they were in Portugal. <laughs> I only knew because it said Portugal in the big fucking silver letters on the screen. Yeah, like Why? I must have like have they so genuine, genuine, that? genuine question. When were they in Portugal? Was that when they were in? When that was was that after exile? It's was that when they after nine, five? After it? five, when they go to. Uh, where are they living after five when the Rock Canary Islands? Up? Okay, so that doesn't make any fucking sense. Not that, yeah. I think they're, aren't they in Portugal in nine? I'm gonna be Is honest. Is that wrong? I'm gonna be honest. No. Nine's, nine's a little fuzzy for me. I didn't rewatch it. Nine's a little in, fuzzy yeah. for me, too. Uh, but, like, that's the thing. Like, you know, the ball rolling down the hill is playing the hits from five. Yeah. Like, the crazier one where they're playing the hits is like they tried to replay the Letty like tackle in midair between the two highways yeah. between Dom and the kid. Like yeah. this kid like jumps from one car <laughs> to another at a hundred mile an hour. He one hands him. He Odell Beckham's his son through the <laughs> fucking car. He, he's like, I got him. I got this. That was so good. And then they, they no, also. Kid, 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 how bad are these parents? Can we just be honest? Like, how terrible are these parents? Also, can we? Ask, can I ask a question about the casting of Lil B? How, yes. is that, how is that the child of Elena and Dom Toretto? A lot of questions there. A lot of questions there. A lot there. of questions. Um, none, none of them. Uh, don't want to go deep in them, that. But yeah. just a Again, like I was like, did they forget that it wasn't Michelle Rodriguez? I honestly thought that too. Like, did you actually forget? <laughs> like, is that what happened here? Maybe, um, maybe. Um, but yeah, no, dude, they like, are terrible parents. They really are. No, like seriously, the level to which they are putting this child. They're like, yeah, like we, you know, oh yeah, even when like the agency comes into the house like they just have like full like faith and like uh little b like going to hide like yeah we're good just like go hide yeah this is a normal occurrence for us it's all good i did i didn't i do enjoy that they like whenever they have any of their wrestling people they get to do their finisher once in the movie oh we yeah, got yeah. we got an attitude adjustment straight through the floor 
Yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, that's that's a little that's at least a little continuity for me. Um, well, the, the funniest continuity part of it is that Jordana Brewster and John Cena are Vin Diesel's brother and sister. That's correct. <laughs> that's correct. I have How does that sure. work? Listen, don't worry about it. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, also like John Cena's like. John Cena's supposed to be like Hispanic, like I, eh. yeah. My man is from Massachusetts. Uh, <laughs> I do like the like, Massachusetts not with the Marky Mark in the car. That was funny. That was yeah, a fun that scene. was good. That was a fun that scene. Was really good. Again, that was John Cena like embracing the movie's tone in a mm-hmm. way that like again nobody else really did. Yeah, him and Moa, they got it. Uh, oh, Moa is so good, the- dude. The other thing with that in the kid is just like they're just like doing donuts to start the movie. Like, how old is how old is Lil B? Do we know? I believe he's I believe he's like ten. That's what my guess was. Like ten years I old. I believe he's ten. Kids, kids just like drifting, doing learning, donuts, learning how to drift. Man, first time drift. I mean, I I get that. Like that 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 was so far down the list of. Like but that. that's the least that's the least crazy thing that happens with him in this movie. Yeah, but like if they're in a parking lot, like I, I you know, like I understand that. I'm not surprised by that at all. Um when was the last time you saw a Dodger Stadium parking lot that empty? <laughs> listen, I'm not an LA guy, I can't speak to the LA uh it's LA probably pretty empty there. a reasonable amount of the time when they're I mean, I'm sure I mean they shot it there, so hey, at least they were on location for something. Um yeah, that's true. yeah man, I yeah, the the whole the whole little bit, and also like, I just like maybe it's me being bad. I, like, I just I'm I I have no emotional attachment to the little fella. Like, there's no, never a moment either. where I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. in peril. Like, the, so the funniest moment that happened was <laughs> was when Jason Momoa goes. Looks like Uncle Muscles isn't gonna make it to the next barbecue, and then turns to like in front of the fucking kid, and then goes, "Well, that was actually horrible. Like it was so fucking funny. Like again, like steer into the absurdity of telling a kid his uncle's dead, and then be like laughing about it, and then being like, "Well, that was actually pretty horrible." Meanwhile, like there's no acknowledgement of this kid's like uncle literally dying. He's just like good and like jumping between a hundred mile an hour cars. (laughs) Dude, it was that was the only acknowledgement. Jason Momoa making a fucking joke in front of him, and he's just like, I mean, the kid's put in a bad spot. But yeah, like I was like, at no point was I like, one, like you're never worried about him because like it's a Fast and Furious movie and he's Dom's son. But like two, also like I was like never like, oh, I'm worried about what happens to the kid. You know, this is just like, we're just fucking off the rails. Um, Also, I like how they like, are we supposed to like believe that the people in the plane are dead when they fucking bring back Gal Gadot? I know. That's Are we, the, am that's, I supposed to? Am I supposed to be like, oh no, what happened? So all of this, like, I was just sitting there. I was like, kind of laughing, like, oh my god, this might be bad. Like, what? Like, literally, like, genuinely, like, just sitting there. Like, look, I said, looked at Laura ten minutes, and I was like, oh my god, this might be like really bad. And then throughout it, I was like, basically coasting along. I was like, sure. okay, this is a normal bad movie, like whatever. 
And then that happens. And I'm like, oh, no, this is like catastrophically stupid. Are we supposed to believe that this plane is in any sort of peril that we saw explode? Like, are you going to bring back Gal Gadot just to like completely fucking like kill Han who's in this plane? What what am I missing here? Dude, how does Jason Momoa show up at that bridge thing on the dam before Dom does? He like well, he shows up. He shows out, up at the. He, he shows up at like the same time. But like he like kind of spins out, doesn't he? Like how does he? Yeah, he goes down like a cliff. He goes. He goes down a cliff. Yeah, like going like hundred and twenty. You would think because that's what Dom's. You know, that's what Dom does. He he's not driving the speed limit. We can guarantee that. And then I mean, like maybe like, shows up. the most charitable the most charitable read I can have on this is that they tell Dom to like turn off on the side road to get there or whatever and like momo's spin out actually put him okay. at the dam sooner this i'm gonna be as because rich does this rich tells him to okay no this is good this is a charitable read and this is a good read does this movie deserve it no but am i gonna yeah. give it to him yes yeah i, I love that. this franchise so that's what i'm gonna say happened there i'm gonna give yeah. them the benefit of the doubt on that however everything else is uh, a bit preposterous this whole movie is preposterous. How are we feeling going into the next one, which comes out in 2025? How concerned are we here? Concerned. However, what I will say is one, I fucking called it on the F nine pod. I said, Dwayne's coming back. Dwayne's coming back. I said, Dwayne's coming back. What do we get? What do we get? We got Dwayne back. End credit scene. Dwayne's fucking back. Also, they telegraphed it by having Dwayne and all the fucking like background shots of all like the, the things that had happened. I was like, if he didn't come back, if he wasn't coming back they would have just pretended he didn't exist. Yeah. So I was like, I, I was actually waiting for him to show up at some point in the movie. I was actually impressed by the restraint to save it. Mildly impressed. It, so here's my guess but, on what 11 is. 11 is going to be. That's actually a, really good point that's it's actually like a really good entry point for him too that's great because it's gonna be a hobson shaw movie yes is my is what i'm gonna say because they leave off with shaw going to like kill a bunch of people that are trying to take his mom right that's the last yeah. time we see him we don't see him at yeah, yeah, yeah again and then they shaw, have yeah yeah, yeah yeah sorry shaw and then they have hobbs at in the end credit scene get a call and then crush his cell phone with his hand and i'm like all right i'm back well, I don't think there's any way Vin is letting them do a Hobbs and Shaw movie. Well, no, like, no but what I'm saying, what I'm saying main... is I think F11 yeah. is mostly going to feel like that in terms of like, I think Vin will be, at least for the first beginning parts, I think Vin will be yeah. a bit more tertiary. Um, yeah. Eventually he will step back into the center. But yeah, there's too much money at play for them not to get everybody back in. Um, what I do hope is like, Maybe Dwayne can, because wasn't wasn't the issue Dwayne had that like nobody took that shit seriously? Wasn't the thing he kept getting yeah. mad about like Vin showing up like late and shit and not being prepared and like fucking up dialogue and like Dwayne called him out on it and then everybody was like and then Tyrese got mad at him for Vin. Yeah, like maybe may and this again charitable read after what we just saw. Maybe Dwayne can like lock shit in if he's actually involved, but I don't have high yeah. hopes. I cannot I don't like so can we talk about the, the, the gal thing and um 
her being back. Yeah. Because yeah. um, we got a lot of questions. Um, one, like, she was like the most dead of like all so the deaths. I don't think she was, for what it's worth. I disagree with that. I think okay. she was, she falls backward a off car. of a car that's hanging in the air. Off a plane. While shooting that guy. On a runway. That's going. The most dead was by far Luke Evans. And Luke Evans, we know, is not dead. Luke Evans flies backward out of a car, out of the back of a plane, like going that way. It feels like that plane is going fast. Gal Gadot releases fires. I don't know how far off the ground she is. I actually don't think she's that far off the ground. They're going like a hundred, dude. It's a plane taking off. Oh, let me be clear. It's all fucking insane, Rod. But like, <laughs> I'm just saying like... I and they have the restraint to wait four movies? Well, yeah, she's got Wonder Woman. Like, what do you want us to do? Uh, four in the main series, yeah. And four plus uh, Hobbs and Shaw. So like, yes. Okay. All right. So, All of that okay, is fine, right. Fine. Okay. Fine. I'll, let's 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 push that part aside. Yeah, she's working nuclear submarines for Charlize Theron now. Yeah, that's confusing. Who was up until literally the beginning of this movie the number one villain? Yeah, I don't know how that changed. So, like, it changed because like the enemy of my enemy, like the same shit they've been doing. But you're how. Because I am led to believe that from that moment forward, Charlize Theron was at the black site. So there was no like intel like, yeah, she's fine now. She's cool. She's with us. So she's just How? been working for her? Yeah, she's just working for Charlize this whole she's time? She's been like working for Cypher like the whole seven? time? Like while yeah. Charlize is like killing Elena? Yeah, it doesn't seem right, does it? Not something's not. So also, um, she can drive a nuclear submarine. Oh, well, we don't know who else is in that sub. It's fair. Okay, fine. <laughs> Charitable read again. Um, but no, it's gonna. It's just gonna be her. We know that. Oh, 100 percent. There's not gonna be anybody else inside that yeah. sub. Um, but like, that was the part where I was like, so she's she's working for the bad guy that nobody knew was not the bad guy anymore until two hours ago in this movie. Correct. Fantastic. Great work. Yeah, it's all great, Robbie. I feel great. like I feel Again. like Gal I feel like at some point Gal was like, yeah, I'm back. Like Wonder Woman's over. And they were like, fuck it. Figure it out. Get her in here. I yeah, I, I mean, wonder if that timing the, actually did work out. Put, yeah. put her with the other two women. Like, <laughs> that's what they do they're just like put it with the other two women like nah. meanwhile Brie Larson's like also in that plot line so like of course like yeah no it's all bad it's all, it, it's all nonsensical and I'm so confused and I don't know if we got very far in this conversation like I feel but I feel good getting I feel out. good getting it out that's yeah, the thing I, like, I, we needed... I want to hammer home like Jason, we love this franchise. We love this franchise. I'll be back uh, first weekend, Fast 11. I'll be there. Yes. Jason Momoa, like, you deserve, ev- you deserve you. everything. <laughs> like, I hope they send you half of the box office gross because you're the redeeming quality. Like, you kept me yes. going in this movie. Um, 
you made choices. You went all in on your choices. You recognize this is supposed to be fun. And you said, you're goddamn right. And 10 out of 10. Like, unbelievable performance. Everybody else, let's go back to the drawing board. We got to go back to the drawing board. We got to figure some things out. We got to get Chris Morgan back. We got to get Justin Lin. Like, seriously, pay whatever it takes for Justin Lin. Please. We need need competent hands. Genuinely, you can't pay him enough. You can't give him enough control. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whatever the issue was. And, like, again, like, that's what I feel like. They, They just were like, Vin, it's your show. And, and, and like we've gone too far we've just gone too far with giving Vin the, the yeah. controls and we need to rein it in a little bit which maybe Dwayne coming back will do that's going to be my God, so. that's going to be my, my the thing I hold out that's what I'm hoping okay Robbie <laughs> tell the people where they can find your work yeah uh, you can find me on Twitter at our calend you can find me on uh, Uprock Sports Dime on Uprocks writing about basketball and football and golf and all kinds of other stuff uh if you, for some reason, want to, the Puntcast is a college football betting podcast that also does golf sometimes and other in sundry things when Tom, Chip, and I decide to get on uh, and talk. Uh, we have fun, and it doesn't make any sense. So it's the Fast 10 of podcasts. And uh, But we're all Jason Momoa. We're all Jason Momoa. We know the tone. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically all. That's That's all I got. Uh, thanks for yeah. having me on, bud. The podcast is is brilliant. Please go listen to the podcast. Go read Robbie at Up Rocks. It's great. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, you know, like who did you have? Who did you have in the PGA this weekend? I have a Brooks ticket, so oh man, fingers crossed heard, that he gets gets home because everybody else that I had a ticket on, everybody else I had a ticket on is cooked. I guess I have a Scotty. Yeah. Like I have a little sc- they gave me like a free bet so I like hedged a, on like the favorites so I took like a boost on Rom and like a free bet on Scotty just to but like yeah, I, I got no I got nobody else. So I'm I'm all in on Brooks tomorrow, which is a weird place to be. I wasn't I was hoping to have I was hoping Xander would show up this week, but yeah, it didn't happen. That didn't happen. So didn't Brooks happen. tomorrow is the uh is the rooting interest. Yeah. Uh Yeah, it's disappointing. It's disappointing yeah. that we're getting this like weirdo kind of finish with like Justin Rose and you know I love, Corey I love, I'm, and, I'm mad because like Rose is like usually like my guy and I got nothing on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's tough. Okay, uh, go to the Athletic. Keep me employed over there. Um, we will be back tomorrow uh, with Adam Spinella breaking down Heat Heat Celtics game three. Uh, we'll talk some NBA draft stuff. Uh, I have some things that I want to talk about with the NBA draft, just in terms of potential movement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that people seem to be melting down about already and we're a month away from the draft and I'm terrified that I'm going to be very sick of this within two more days. Uh, Keep it locked here. We will be back tomorrow and then probably not the next day unless the Nuggets close it out. If the Nuggets close it out, I might have to record. We'll see. Uh, But keep it locked here. Um, I'll have some writing up on the Combine at some point. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.